This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage 3 cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Holistic nutritionist and coach Kathy Biasi supports her patients throughout the cancer journey. Feeling like life has somehow dealt her a bad hand, she must reconcile the past and trust in the unknown if she ever wishes to be truly free. Hi, Kathy. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Excellent. So what would you like coaching on today? Let's talk about telling stories, how to tell our, our health history, our health stories, and why maybe it's important to do that, how it helps in the healing process. Hmm. So the, the topic is really about telling the health stories and how that would sort of help. Yeah. How, you know, how telling your health story is impactful, not only for your mindset, your moving forward in health, but how it can really be impactful for other people who may be on a similar journey. So what would be a fantastic outcome for today? I think if we gave somebody the courage to go out there and to share, I mean, sometimes it can be a scary place to try to tell your story. There's so many emotions with a health journey. And I think if we can get just one person, I was, I've, I was uh, interviewing some of myself and he said, if I have one person that I can help in my lifetime, it's been a life well spent. So I think if we can help one person move forward in that, um, in that space, it would be a brilliant time spent with you. So if we can help that one person tell their story so that mm-hmm. it can have an impact. Absolutely. So how does uh, your story um, sort of shake up here? How does my story impact other people's story? Well, I am a breast cancer survivor and it took me, so this was 10 years ago, approximately. And it took me a little bit of time to be able to open up, to tell my story. I had many emotions. I was a person that ate well, exercised well. I thought I had um, the pieces in place. I had a family that I love and adored. You know, some people say to me, you know, you learn from a cancer journey and you look back and you discover what you wanted to change. And um, I wouldn't have changed anything at that point in my life. I was a very happy person. And so this really came out of left field. So I felt um, taken aback. I felt betrayed by my own body and I was embarrassed. I was sick and I went through a year of 
treatments and recovery, and I didn't really want to think about it again. And that's just not realistic. When you go through an experience like I went through, through cancer, not just my own, um, my own experience with it, but how it was so impactful with the people that I love and how they were so impactful on me. The story just can't end when treatment ends. And so it took me some time to understand that it's all part of this healing process. And as I've moved forward and started working with cancer patients myself, I call this time between end of treatment and and really starting to take meaningful steps forward, sort of a healing space. And this healing space is it encompasses a lot of things, but I think when you are put into, and it's not just a cancer journey, when you're put into a health space where you're not left with a lot of time to think, you just have to do and react and, and, and move on with, with your care. Once that ends and you're left to your own devices, you're left with the emotions that you couldn't or didn't address. And it's a process. It's a process that um, I've seen many, many times with people that I've worked with. So I feel that once I got past some of the healing and once I got past, honestly, some of the embarrassment of what I had gone through and I started quietly to tell my story, um, I, I expanded. I realized that this was not a written segment that was going to be burned in the fire. This was a part of my complete story. And I had to give honor to that as much as to every other positive piece in my story to that point. So that's how I've come out of it. And that's how I would love for other people to expand by telling their story. And everyone's story is different. So everyone has a unique piece that they can offer to people. Mm. There was two things that you mentioned that really caught my attention. One of them is my body betrayed me. Mm. Yes, I, I thought I was, you know, I ate well. Um, I was a healthy person. I exercised a lot. I've exercised all my life. And, uh, you know, I went in for my appointment and we were going through all of the risk factors. It was no, no, no. And the very end of it was you just got unlucky. And um, I just didn't feel that that was fair. You know, I had worked hard. And I felt that my body had betrayed me. I, I obviously, it wasn't responding to what I was doing. And, and, and it just, there was some sort of a dissociation between either my mindset or lifestyle and what my body needed. And um, I guess if I look back on things, maybe that was what I learned from it is to maybe listen and to pay more attention. I was a mom of four, still am a mom of four. I was extremely busy. I was trying to be perfect in all aspects. You know, I remember one Christmas, I made a hundred little stockings and stuffed them with, with candy cane so that all the kids and all the classes of my children um, had these things. And I remember staying up till two or three in the morning and then wondering why I did that. That was the type of person I was. Um, and, you know, I had to step back. I had to um, take a, a quiet space for myself during the, the year. I just couldn't do everything that I like to do. And maybe that's where I needed to, to learn to, um, you know, be forgiving and not to 
you know, why was I pushing myself so hard? Was it for my betterment or, or how I looked as the mom of these kids? And maybe that's what I've, I've learned. I don't know, but I did feel that um, I was doing all the right things and I just came up on the wrong side of the coin. Have you made peace with that? Oh, yes, I have. I've very much made peace with, with, with everything. And as I say, it's now woven into my fabric. It's uh, a part, it's, it's, definitely impacted my life moving forward. Um, I was in business, I was a trader, and now I am in the health space. I am a nutritionist. I am a cancer coach. I work with cancer patients for the most part. That's uh, where my, my, um, my preference lies in my practice. Um, I've learned to open myself up to things. I have um, somebody asked me uh, to host a radio show out of the blue. I have had never had any experience. I was, you know, a year out of my schooling and I, I thought they were crazy. Why would I do that? Why would you ask me to do that? And I thought, what could go wrong? What could be worse than I've been through, right? If I become embarrassed or I was, it's a flop, at least I've said I've tried. So I feel I've become more open um, and, and sort of grasp that, that brass ring type of person. So I think that it's opened me up and it's definitely helped me work with the people that I work with. When I can be a part, you know, there's a difference between working with people and teaching them book knowledge and working with people and being, be, being able to share with them an experience. Um, you know, when uh, my cancer experience, when you first hear the word, and this is something that I hope we're, we're trying slowly to move away from. But when I first heard I was diagnosed, um, I went to, uh, you know, that deep, dark hole. And within the matter of 10 seconds, I had, you know, I had checked out of my life and trying to figure out where everyone else was going to do without me. Um, and, and, you know, I, this is, this is where we're at sometimes with disease is you look to the negative. So when I can experience and, and help people on the same sort of emotional platform that they're on, I find that it, it's helpful to them very much. So mm. you mentioned that dark hole of embarrassment. Would you like to explore that further? Well, it wasn't a dark hole of embarrassment at the time, but when I was diagnosed, I was in shock. Um, and I had just, I, I, I didn't become depressed, but I, I definitely was angry. I was, um, like I said, when I first heard the words, I, I tried to figure out, you know, from, from my family, my husband and my kids, where would they be without me? Um, that fear of course, of the unknown was something that was overriding for quite a while. Um, it, it didn't, I wasn't angry. I was fearful. And this took me some time. It took me a couple of weeks before I could get my head around it. And I think what helped me more than anything was I, um, I, I went to my faith and I felt that bringing um, my faith into this period of my life was profoundly impactful because what I was able to say was, I will do what is on the road ahead of me and I will trust in the outcome. And once I was able to bring that into my life, you know, faith and spirituality is easy when things are going well, but when you are tried in certain situations and when the road gets tough and you really need um, your faith, that's, that's when we, that's when it's hard to turn to. And when I did finally um, 
turned to my faith and realized that I wasn't in this alone. And I had my husband and my family and my friends, but it was different. Um, that was what really turned me and made me face things head on and give me strength to face the things head on that I needed to. And I did. You mentioned you're sort of 10 years out now. Mm-hmm. How is faith and, and, and that sort of helped you with the challenges in life right now? My faith is with me all the time. Um, I, you know, I, I, I pray for the best outcome. I pray that, you know, while I'm here, I live the life that I'm meant to. Um, and I, I pray that um, I, I inspire and I move people along in their journey. And, and that's, that's all I, I pray for. Um, I pray for the health of my family, of course, and, and things like that. And in certain situations, you know, different prayers come up. But generally speaking, I just pray that while I'm here, I can be the vessel that I need to be. What are some roadblocks that are stopping you from you know, creating or achieving? Well, you know, always that thought of recurrence, um, and especially when I am working with people that have maybe similar histories with their disease, and then there's a recurrence after a number of years, that's always in the back of my mind. And, you know, it's not going to go away. And it's not realistic to think that it's going to go away. But it's not something that I dwell on. I am, I set myself up in all aspects of my life to do the best I can. I'm definitely not perfect. But again, if I was trying to aim for perfection, I'd be back in the same health boat that I was before. So I set myself up the best I can. Um, and that is, that is the biggest headspace issue that I have is just, it's always there, you know? Um, and that's, that's my biggest roadblock. I'm happy in all aspects of my life. I'm happy. My family is, is a beautiful family who is growing and expanding. Um, I have a husband who was there with me and is still there with me every he's, he's my rock. He's my foundation. And when I start to shake, he, you know, he, he gives me a, a, a knock on the head and said, you know, face your reality here. Look where you are. Look where you've, you, you've gone to, um, and, you know, anybody who, who works hard and, and is, is invested in what they're doing never feels fully accomplished. There's always more to do, more roads to travel, more learning to, to go down. And um, I need to step back sometimes and realize that, you know, I am doing the best I can and, you know, smell the roses. So I think those are two pieces of my life that I am constantly uh, thinking about and, um you know, that's, it's, it's always as we move, as we grow, as we, as we age, things change, life changes, and there's always a constant evaluation that um, we need to go through. And that's where I'm at. You said something about it's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're finished with your cancer, um, the doctors don't say you're cured in most time, most spaces, they'll say you're in remission. Um, and it's, it's a disease that is a frightening disease for sure. And like I said, it's, there's always a chance, you know, knock on wood that things will reoccur. Um, and I have to be mindful of that. So being, you know, and I have to be mindful to take care of myself to reduce risk of recurrence, it obviously places it somewhere in my mindset. So I can't I can't get rid of it. It needs to be, 
um, taken care of this part of my life. So uh, when I get these, these little scares that come up, or when I'm, you know, when I when I feel that something is a little bit too close to the nerve, um, I do have to step back and, and realize the steps I've put in place to, you know, hopefully help me in prevention and trust in what I've learned and done and continue to do. Would you like to try a little experiment with me trying to explore where this lies in your body? Absolutely. just want you to get comfortable. You can soften your gaze or close your eyes if you feel safe. Just take a couple breaths in and out. Just going to do a quick body scan. Just want you to breathe into the different body parts I mentioned. The top of the head, the forehead, the eyes, the nose, the ears, the cheeks, the mouth, the lips, the neck, shoulders, upper body, arms, your torso, lower body, your legs, your feet. Just want you to take a couple of breaths in and out. So Kathy, what's what's bubbling up when you know you think about you know the recurrence and it's always there and uh, there's that I always have to be diligent. Uh, I would like not to be have that as something in my life that I need to worry about, um, but I do have to always be diligent, and that's something that's always on my mind, but. I assume that if it wasn't for that, there'd be something else taking up that space. So um, that is what bubbles up when, I, when I'm mindful, things that I'm trying to do to always push forward. Is the diligence always in the mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Want to try a little vis- visualization technique? Sure. I just want you to sort of picture like an elevator and sort of this mindfulness. It's lying and residing on the top of your head. I'm going to count from three to one. Just want you to try to bring it back, bring it down somewhere in, in your body, maybe your belly, and see what happens. Three, two, one. Is anything rising? It gets caught in my throat. Caught in your throat. Mm-hmm. Is there? Can you describe it? Um, kind of like the just beginnings of a sore throat. So it's not sore, but something's there. Can you describe what it looks like? A lump. A lump. Right around my Adam's apple. Does it have any features? No. Does it have anything to say? No, it's just like a white lump. 
Is it bothersome? It's trying to move. It's trying to move down. It's trying to move down. Yeah. It's not what bothersome. Is, what does it want to move down for? To unclog my throat. Any ways that you can make that happen? When I deep breathe, it helps. For sure. Clearing my throat, <clears throat> something like that. Has this feeling ever been there in the past? Yeah. When I experience stress, when I, when I cry, if there's emotion for whatever reason, I feel it in my throat all the time. That's where, that's where the emotion goes. You know, some people get headaches when they cry or, but I get, I feel it in my throat. And then how, how do you resolve that, that feeling? When the emotions go away, it goes away. And in, in this situation with having to be mindful that it's always there, is there any type of wisdom in that for you? Um, I, I think so. I, I think being mindful, I think um, we all have to be mindful for many things. We all have our, our, our own life stories that we need to be mindful of. I think um, it's much better for me to be mindful than to disrespect what could possibly happen. Um, I think that for me, a life well lived is to do the best I can. And if I'm not mindful of taking care of my body and being here for my family, then I will be, you know, when that time comes that, you know, we, whatever period of my life, whenever I cease to exist, if I haven't done everything I can to live a healthy life um, and to not be a burden on people and to be present for the people that love me, if I feel that I haven't paid enough time to that, then I will feel sad. So I think being mindful and uh, working in a preventative lifestyle is, um, it's not just for me, it's for, for the people that, that I'm involved with in my life. So what would be the next steps to being sort of having that balance? Um, I just, you know, I always have to uh, take a deep breath. Like I said, when things get a little bit too close, I have to, I'm constantly telling myself, you know, uh, my disease is different than anybody else's disease. It's not, you know, just because you're under the umbrella of a particular type, mine was breast cancer. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Uh, just because I'm under the particular type of breast cancer doesn't even mean that all of us who are estrogen positive have the same type. We are all our own thumbprint. Our disease is our own thumbprint. And um, I have to always know that, you know, it's my disease. It's, it's not, I can't, I can't compare it to other people. And I think that that's something I do have to work on. And how is this comparison usually sort of done? No, I just, I just sit back, you know, I take, I take, if, if I've had a particularly difficult um, patient that I'm working with, I might take some time, you know, a day or two and just go out, maybe go out in nature, go out to dinner, just whatever, watch TV and just take some time away from that space. Um, doing other things. So when I'm when I'm interviewing people, it's not in um, the cancer space. So it's a distraction from that area. Uh, I exercise, I exercise a lot, I exercise hard. Um, and I, I think that that is really helpful for me. Um, 
I have lots of things that I like to do. I love to learn. It doesn't always have to be in the medical space. So I, I like to learn. I like to create things. So those are all helpful for me to get my mind away from focusing on what can happen. It's just not, it's, it's, it's a waste of energy. You mentioned previously about the support of your husband uh, and your kids. How does that sort of work in your life in, in helping you become less mindful of, you know, the recurrence? Well, my, my husband, for sure. Um, he's my biggest supporter. And, you know, sometimes when someone looks at you and goes, you're just, you're, you're crazy. It's just, maybe I am, you know, he's not, he's not, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. He's not overbearing. He's not, um, you know, he just looks at me sometimes and he's a, he's the face of reality. And, you know, he did say to me, I've said this many times, uh, you're, you're worried about cancer recurring and the rest of us are worrying about getting it in the first place. So really we're kind of all in the same boat, aren't we? And I thought that that was, you know, every time I, 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 I still think of that to this day, and this was 10 years ago that he said, uh, said it to me 10, nine years ago. And, and, and he's right. He's a very, um, you know, straight line thinker. Uh, he's, always supportive of, of any venture that I do. Um, and, and that's, to me, that's, he's my rock. He's just, he's just everything that I need when I'm crazy, angry, mad, you know, and as, and, and beyond any disease I have, I'm, I can be volatile. <laughs> you know, I can get angry. I can get very happy. Um, you know, I've got four kids, so, you know, I'm kind of raising them as always raising children is, is, uh, always a, an ebb and flow of different emotions. And he's just the stable one in, in all of it. So um, I need that. I need that. And I need that space where it's, where he'll let me go and do what I need to do or, or go up to our place up North and spend a couple of days when I just need to be by myself for a little bit. And it's, it's a, it's a wonderful relationship. How can you uh, resource some of his steady headedness um, to helping you you know, move forward with less angst. I, I just look at him sometimes and things that worry me don't even phase him. Um, and, and he's just so pragmatic about things. He's just, he cuts through it all. Uh, he's not a person of a lot of words. You wouldn't call him someone who's the, the, the humor and the party. He's just very, uh, he, he sees the situation and he cuts through very clearly. And it, it helps me to get through some of the minutia of what goes on in my head, for sure. Any ways you can resource some of that for accountability for yourself? All the time, all the time. Um, you know, there's certain, for instance, what came up recently is uh, I've been battling high cholesterol. And part of it is because of my medication. And part of it is because of my, uh, it's, it's in my genes. And, and so being, again, in this health space, I have done everything that I have, you know, that would naturally bring my cholesterol level down. And it took me a year and I went through, I went through different types of tests and I tried all these things and, and it just, nothing happened. And he, he gave me the space, you know, he didn't say just do it. He just said, when you get to that place where you're comfortable, then go ahead. And then, so a year later, I circled around to that same medication, to the same dosage, everything. And it was like, this is what I have to take. And, you know, I, I, many people would go, you're just crazy. You should have just taken that. You should have just, this is what the doctor said, but he was, you have to get to that space where you're comfortable with it. And it took me a year, 
and he watched me do all these things and he supported me. And here I am to this very day, no farther ahead as far as reducing my cholesterol, but farther ahead in my mindset so that I was comfortable doing what I needed to do. And that's what I get from him. It's, it's do what you need to do, get to that place and then make your decision. And I find that, I find that just sometimes I just am so quick to make a decision or, or, or your think or be spur of the moment. He's just like the yin to my yang for sure. So Kathy, what's next? What's, what's, what's the big, uh, you know, what's, what's your big goals right now? Reducing my cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. I come off my medication for cancer in, um, in, three months. So I'm hoping that there is sort of a balance and that comes. So that's, that's that, um, career wise, I am developing new programs. I am continually working to go online. I was in clinic with COVID. I really haven't been back to the clinic in about a year and a bit. So I have been slowly transforming my practice online. My, my clinical program, my four week clinical program that I work with cancer patients on is online. Um, and now I'm just working on more programs to, to support the people that, uh, that need it, that work that's in my community. I do webinars and things like that. So just continually moving forward and learning. And so when that obstacle sort of pops into your head of like thinking about what could be, or what might happen, how, how, how would you handle that? I just stop. If I can't, if I can't focus, um, and, and, and I know, see, when I work, and I dive into a project, I will be sitting in front of my computer until that is done. And that's, that's my, I can't just work for three hours, shut it off and go. So I know that I need to be in the right space to do that. So I have to clear my head before I can sit down and jump into these projects because, you know, they do, they do certainly block my mind from other things, but I do have to, it's like, you know, cleaning out a room. I have to know that I've got to dedicate this time. Once I start, I'm not coming out of that room. So, um, that's how I, uh, these blockages are, are, I, I handle them well. I don't think that they're, they're not an an impetus to what I want to get done. It's just, you know, it's a learning experience. It's learning myself. It's all part of disease and health management. So um, I, I can talk to myself quite well. So how would you, if I was to ask you to title this, uh, this new phase, what, what would it be? If I had a book, it'd be called All the Paths That Lead to Me. <laughs> um, this phase, I think, is um, my settling phase. I think I'm set. My kids um, don't need me as much as they used to. They are, they're getting older. They're starting their own lives. Um, I'm not going to be pushing myself as much as I did before. I can take on what I want to take on. So maybe it's a little bit more of a settling. I think selfish is the wrong word, but more, I can focus more on what I want to move forward. So it's, it's, uh, it's part of, of getting older. It's a part of, you know, the kids moving on and, and me um, starting to take back a little bit more of, and discovering actually what I do enjoy. I do enjoy so many different things. Um, and it's just focusing on what I want to, to, to focus on and having the time to do so. So this would be my, my, my settling phase, I think. Your settling phase. Great. You're reacquainting with me, reacquainting with Kathy. <laughs> reacquainting with Kathy. That could <laughs> Not be the mom, not that Kathy, could... the mom or Kathy, the cancer patient, just Kathy. 
Just before kind of... any titles, before any of that. That's awesome. Right. So um, I think this is probably a good place if you if you feel it's good to transition into the interview portion. Absolutely. Wonderful. So tell my audience and my listeners more about Kathy Bias and what she does. So I am a nutritionist and I'm a holistic nutritionist and I am a cancer coach. Most of my practice, as I think I mentioned, about 90% is working with cancer patients who are in active care. Um, prevention still isn't foremost on many people's minds. Um, and so most of the patients that I am working with either want to incorporate integrative care within their medical space, or they are not happy with some uh, areas of their, um, of their medical care. I'm completely integrative. I, I much prefer to work with the medical team. I think that working on the health of cancer patients is something that's not been addressed. Um, we definitely have uh, wonderful doctors. I had a wonderful team who worked on the disease, but I think working on the health is needs to be hand in hand with the, the medical space. So I'm trying to cultivate that more and more. Um, nutrition is a tough place when it comes with uh, cancer patients, because it's, it's often a hard thing to change. Um, there are many people who, the people that come to see me are motivated to change, are motivated to support their diet. But uh, in nutrition, it's you have to decide to make changes. You have to maybe give up some things that you don't want to, and you have to make a concerted effort. So nutrition is a tough piece for some people. They don't want to deal with that right now when they're going through their care. But those who do um, see a profound difference with um the side effects with efficacy of treatment, just because they're, they're coming into care much more healthy. And when your body is healthy, you can withstand treatments, better um, outcomes are generally better and side effects are managed better. So this is my area of within the cancer space and the wellness space. Um, I also have a radio show, as I mentioned, and it's called the health hub. It is very broad-based. I think the word hub is just a great um, uh, expletive for the word or for the show. I, I've had authors, chefs, sports figures, just talking about wellness. I try and educate um, our audience on perhaps questions that they might be able to ask their healthcare that they might not have known about, um, opening them up to different types of therapies, words, functional medicine, integrative care, and just educating people on that platform, giving them tools for their, their own health. Um, and, and those are the two spaces as well as being a wife and a mom and a, a doggy mom. And um, that's, that's basically what, uh, what I'm all about and a big Toronto sports fan. It's tough right now, but I am a big Toronto sports fan. <laughs> oh, there's always hope, Kathy. There's always hope. <laughs> there's, it's a love-hate relationship I have with sports. It truly is. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I work with cancer survivors, so I, I'm on that sort of spectrum. But, you know, I always find it very fascinating. And I, I you know, how has working with cancer patients, like, how, how do you describe sort of those emotions? Because- I, you know, I'm a cancer survivor, you're uh -huh. a cancer survivor. How have you found, you know, sort of holding your, 
your own during, during their, you know? Yeah. A lot of people ask me that, you know, you've gone through it. Um, why would you want to stay in that area as a cancer coach? You can wear many hats. Uh, the one thing that I'm not comfortable with is going on hospital visits. So my, my cancer coaching where my lane is, is within, um, lifestyle, mindfulness, nutrition. So that's where I stick. Uh, I've lost a lot of people, um, you know, with, with, we've seen a number of people in our clinic and we've lost clients and patients. And as I said, we're getting people that maybe are not completely satisfied or having difficulty with their, their medical team. And so things are slowly transitioning. I, I do see from my beginnings that we're not just seeing, um, end stage cancer patients, we are seeing people who are really looking to integrate. So I'm seeing a lot of people now that are just starting treatment or prior to treatment. And it's, it's great. Now, as far as my own mindset, when it comes to working with cancer patients, I feel, and I feel that our clinic work is doing nothing but promoting the health and the mindset of cancer patients. And in the unfortunate circumstances where we, we lose one of our patients, I still believe that our time with them has made their time more positive. And I have to believe that. Um, and that's what keeps my motivation to, to continue to move forward. We've lost children, uh, elderly all across the spectrum, but, in the midst of it all, there has been hope, and maybe we've inspired some of that hope, and um, that's what gives me purpose. What have you found to be a huge sticking pain point for some of the clients you serve? Um, some of them are angry. Some some cancer patients are angry, and and I understand why. Um, and that's hard to move past. It's hard to get them to move past. You can't explain away why. Um, I have a lot of, of you know, in, in conversations with cancer patients, people that I'm working with, why did this happen to me? And there is no answer. And, and you know, I spent a lot of time on that too. And that's what led me to feel that I was betrayed by my body. And, and there's just, it's a waste of good energy to go down that path. Um, and this can be a real struggling point for a lot of people as to why them, why not somebody who's bad? Why am I'm a good person? I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I work hard, why me? And that's a lot of wasted energy that um, could be more well spent on cultivating your immune system and positive energies. But it is a process too. I do believe that these emotions are processes that you need to go through. And um, I have to give space to that. And here's that piece where I can definitely understand why they're thinking that. And, you know, once when, and, and the thing with dealing with the health piece of, of cancer patients is that I'm giving them things that they can, in, that they can work on themselves. They're not relying on a doctor or a test or a result or a treatment. 
they have in their hands a piece of their protocol. And this can help reduce stress. This can help give them motivation. This can help give them drive when they realize that how nutrition can be so impactful, how certain lifestyle changes can be so impactful. This takes up more mindset than just sitting and waiting for the next call or test result or treatment. And this is, um, this is an important mover. It really is. Uh, mindset is, is so big and it's not just, it's not just an out there sort of, uh, you know, sit in the middle of a desert, work on mindset sort of thing. This is a science backed fact that mindset, you know, what, what we think has downstream effects throughout our whole body. Um, you know, cortisol, adrenal function, the whole thing. We're not going to eliminate stress. There's no point in even trying to eliminate the stress of any type of a diagnosis. It's just, again, it's just a fruitful waste of energy or an unfruitful waste of energy. Learn to cope, learn to find mechanisms. These are things that are, are difficult sometimes when someone's going through thing, uh, a cancer diagnosis. It's difficult for the supporters who I see as well. Um, and, and that relationship between patient and, and loved one can be tried at certain parts of a, of a, of a diagnosis and, and the treatment path. Um, you know, when someone's coming to um, the, the transition period of their life where the disease can't, can't be stopped anymore, there's that space that the supporters and their loved ones have to recognize. And that is where, you know, I can, you know, introduce them to people that might be able to help them in that space emotionally. But there are points within um, a cancer uh, treatment plan that, you know, the intentions of the cancer patient and the intentions of the support person may not be on the same level and opening those lines of communication with them is an important part too. I'm not a therapist, but I can certainly initiate and see where those things need to be spoken about and then move them into a place where they can talk about that because there's, you know, the, the, the journey of the patient and the journey of, of the loved person, the husband, the wife, the children, they all need to be respected and they all need to be supported. But that method of support is very different. So for a listener who was just told they had cancer, what pieces of advice would you give? Take a step back and breathe. You know, stress can, can, um, reduce the immune system. It can have a very negative impact on the immune system. And we don't want that to happen. We want your body to be fighting cancer as, as well as it can. So take a step back. You have had probably a number of years before this was diagnosed. You have a few weeks to figure out what you want to do. Make sure that you're with a team that you um, feel that respects your wishes, that is respecting you as a person. Uh, if you need to go for a second opinion, do so. You need to feel comfortable, trust your gut with your tribe, pull people in that you need. Don't be afraid to be polite and not have a table at the chair for other people. You have to be not selfish, but you have to make your intentions known because this now is going to be the start of you needing to work on your health. And that can come with many different decisions and questions. You'll be surprised who shows up for you. And you may be surprised at who doesn't. And that's fine. Uh, not everybody can be there on every part of your journey. And you need to be forgiving for that. Um, find the people that you can lean on and who have the strength to support you. Those are all important things. But 
you do have time to figure out your treatment plan. You do have time to maybe step back for a week or two and figure out where you want to go and what resonates. Um, I would suggest not Googling too much. That can, again, take you down a, a dark pathway. You've got to trust the practitioners and the doctors that you are with. And um, that just, to me, cultivates a lot of stress and misinformation, unfortunately. In the cancer treatment sort of scope, what do you hope that, you know, great strides that can be made? Again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Um, there are great strides that are being made in the medical profession as far as treatment. Uh, who knows, chemotherapy may be a thing of the past in 20 years, or maybe full-on vaccinations and immune therapy. But what I really hope is that people understand how impactful their choices are on their health. We're really starting to understand the importance of the microbiome. Culting the micro, uh, cultivating the microbiome is in our hands. It's not a pill. It's not something that we can be injected with. It is completely diet, lifestyle, certain supplementations perhaps, but it's our body to cultivate and promote. And so when we're starting to understand that, I'm starting to see more doctors recommend things like exercise, recommend reducing certain things in diets. And it's, I see that people are starting to now, and doctors are starting to see that there has to be um, a play with the health uh, that may not be sort of in brackets. We're working on your health, but you know, sleep and exercise alone are now part of the script of what's in the medical field. And it's something that in, in the integrative space and in my space, these are, these are standalones in my protocols. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can work together more the medical field and the integrative field, because for practitioners, at least like myself and those that I work with, we're not trying to take over a space. We are trying to support the therapies that, that they are, are prescribing for cancer patients. Uh, I have no desire to get into the medical space. And e even when it comes down to recommending maybe perhaps some supplements, I will always say, please talk to your oncology team. Here is some research, do what they say. If they say no, we can, uh, you know, we can attack that what I want to get accomplished with you in so many other different ways. And, and that's what I hope. Complete integration would be a profound mover when it comes to cancer care. If you're willing to, um, what's your biggest success story? I've had a lot of success stories. People who have um, come, I, I guess, I guess in, in certain uh, sphere of success story, it would be how well people get through their treatment. Um, I have different um, food therapies, depending upon the person that's sitting in front of me. My four-week program works so well within where they are in their, their space, you know, whether they're through or going, starting or into, into the prevention space. But I really do see, um, and, and people don't realize this because when you get through treatment, if you haven't had many side effects, you don't know what you could have had, right? So if, if you're tired and that's your only side effect, oh, I was so tired. Whereas other people may have had to stop care because of the side effects. Some may have been hospitalized. Some may have, you know, the, the point for me when someone is going through treatment, when they come to see me is we want to get you through this. This is what we want to do. We want to make sure that you complete your treatments. That's a number one. 
We'll heal the body after. Let's get you through your treatments. And when people come back and say to me, well, I, I didn't really feel much of anything. People said to me, I can't believe you don't even look like you're sick. That to me is my success stories. That's when it's like, it's just a beautiful thing. And I get so excited because the body is responding as it should. And I think that that's profound. I love that. So Kathy, tell my uh, audience where they can find you on the internet. KathyBiasse.com. That's my website. Um, I'm at KathyBiasse on Instagram, Kathy underscore Biasse on Twitter. But if you go to my website, it has everything right there um, for you. Wonderful, Kathy. Well, I really loved our conversation today. It really, yeah, so did I. You know, spoke to me. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.